Hey, Mike, you know, on the drive down today, um, I was just thinking about mental imagery and no, I wasn't thinking about you. I just wanted to have a quick chat to you about a mental imagery technique that's used a lot in uh, sports psychology and believe it or not, also in the music industry. And I, and I just want to get your thoughts on how you know, we and our listeners could use them, for example, in a business setting. Uh, you happy you're up for that? Yeah, that sounds um, pretty cool. And who knows, I might, I might, uh, I might learn something myself. This is good. Well, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Here we go. Matt's woken up. All yeah, right. So all right. So so talk to me. So mental yeah. imagery. So what? What am I just going to yeah, sit on the so, couch and make pictures, or what, what? Well, no, you're not going. Or depending on the the event that you're getting prepared for. So let's just you know, give a bit of context. Mike's got a, a has a, a keynote speech to give, you know, a TED talk or you know something where he's under a little bit of pressure because it's a little bit, you know, it's not a normal thing for him. You know, he's a polished speaker in a small room, but this is the first time he's going to be on the, the world stage. So he's come to me as um, a coach, and one of the things that I might be thinking about is mental imagery, where you. Uh, imagining what it would look like and feel like on on the day in question and a technique that's used by sports psychologists and interestingly in, in the music industry is called petlep p-e-t-t-l-e-p so seven points i'll just quickly run through the, the points and then we'll talk about each one for a minute or so p is physical e is the environment t is the task the second t is timing the l is learning the E is emotion, and the P is perspective. Quick science behind it. Look, it's been uh, tested fairly rigorously. There's a lot of science uh, based on observations of hockey players, of Olympians, of horse riders and musicians, that this has a way of measuring uh, an improvement you know, from point A to point B. So it does work. Yes. Okay. So the P, physical. Um, look, if I was going to coach, I'm not a viola coach, by the way, but if I was going to coach a viola player in this pet lap technique, I wouldn't get him or her to just sit down and pretend to have a viola. I would put the viola into their hands. Okay. So for me, uh, I use this on myself as a bit of an experiment. I am an amateur, big capital A underlying mountain bike rider. Um, I wanted to improve a time over a particular circuit. Um, I sat on the bike. I dressed in mountain bike attire. Now, for you, that might sound a bit bizarre, but you see people practicing for keynote speaks, speeches in their uh, board shorts, t-shirt, and and uh, you know Crocs. Unless you're actually going to go and prepare the keynote speech and deliver it in that style, perhaps at a Hawaiian convention somewhere, get dressed. Get dressed. Get if you have a, a prop but you're going to use carry the prop in your hand. So it's got to be physically similar. And the experiment with hockey players, they put they tested hockey players not in hockey gear, in hockey gear, with hockey sticks, and lo and behold, the physical similarities um, produce the better results. So as close as you can possibly match what your physical state for the day is a good point. Sure. So if you're in a business environment, and uh, gosh, I know I've done this a few times, you've got a big say facilitation session coming up tomorrow 
when you're rehearsing, I actually get my suit out. Just correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. I actually get my suit out. I put my suit on, including the shoes, everything. And I'm actually fully dressed in the same type of clothing yep. I would be wearing when I'm doing that presentation. 100%. 100%. Yep. E, environment. Now, this might be a difficult one, but uh, for example, if I was going to, what I did was I went and sat at the track. So when I was doing my mental imagery, I was in that environment rather than just doing it in my, in my garage at home. So with my uh, example of my, my viola player, um, and I actually did this, she wasn't able to go to the opera house, that, well, the performance hall that she's going to deliver the, uh, the piece in, but she had a photo of it on the wall and she also made a point of going to a similar environment just yes. so she could get that, that feeling. Business-wise, I'm assuming that you've done some of your, you've made efforts to make sure that you've rehearsed in the same environment rather than going out in the car park and sure. just wandering around outside. Sure. Yeah, what, what, I, what I like to do is I will... If, especially if it's a big thing, I'm rehearsing a few days ahead of time. But normally we get to set up the workshop a day in advance. So if mm. you get access to the room, mm. that day, the night before, especially once the room is fully set up, you know where the butcher block paper is, you know where certain diagrams and images are going to be. You can walk around the room and actually you're, you're fully delivering the message in that room. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of uh, learning and development um, professionals, I think, pay that off. Yeah, you know, I've set the room up. That's okay. I can go have a few Chardonnays and mm. you know wake up tomorrow morning. The ones that don't pay it off, you know, and I've experienced a lot of L and D successes and failures. I think pay that bit off that you just mentioned before. Yeah, and I think there's just a little point about um, best kind of best practice there. Even though you think you can set the room up in the morning and you can do it quickly, and even though you think you don't need to rehearse this, do it anyway set up the room the day before at least dry run it once the night before because when you sleep on it it gives your chance a, it gives your brain a chance to kind of go through the material it's a it's going to be a night and day difference yeah. in your performance the next day so the first thing that they're going to see see is you know mike trying to work out how to turn the lights on saying the usual oh, it's an it issue and a bit of paper falls off the wall you know it's high buffoonery as opposed to mike that's been in the night but it's just slick and the first thing that he says is good morning and welcome rather than who knows the number for IT. Sure. <laughs> so so if, if you can't get in the environment, I don't know, let's say because of COVID or whatever, you can't get in the environment. What like would you, I mean, this sounds cheesy, but what other things would you do in the environment? Could you put up a picture of the actual, like the room or the place you're going to be? Or yeah. How, how well, my, my friend, the viola player, did that exactly. She put up um, a picture of the place that she was going to do the performance oh, okay. in uh, and you know you do what you can do but I think as close as you can match the the environment using whatever resources that you've got please do it sure T task you know this is what you are going to do as in not do to complete the challenge what are the steps that you're going to do from beginning through to end so this is where it becomes a bit of a mental challenge because to give your example of setting up the room, a lot of people are probably going to rely on intuition, just skim over a few of those tasks, the really basic ones. With my friend, the viola player, she was playing in the context of an orchestra. So she focused on what her job was as a viola player in an orchestra, not as the trumpet player, mm. but as the viola player. So for your example of a workshop, 
you know, you must have a punch list of tasks that you're going to do. Yep. Those, that's important to be able to understand and rehearse those tasks in the order that you expect them to come. And, you know, so and I have no doubt that that's a way that you approach for your more successful workshops. Sure. So if, you, if you're going to run a workshop then and you say, say your bit of the workshop is just say it's an hour, like your, let's say your presentation is an hour. Mm. Are you saying that the person who's doing, rehearsing the task should actually do an hour long, like it, to the time, like an actual hour long rehearsal? Yeah, so that's, that comes to the T, the timing. So oh, okay. understanding I've got to do A, B, C, and D. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to skip point A and point, uh, point B and C because I know how to do that. Yep. That is where the danger will come if you don't do every step in the order that they should be delivered. I mean, and obviously that can allow you to build a flexibility in as well. Um, not as a viola player in a concert though. Um, so that's the task, but that brings us into the timing. My advice is do it at least once in real time, if not, you know, twice. Sure. sure. Uh, why, why, you know, rather than sort of quickly mumble through your speech, yeah, 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 got it. Oh, yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, that point, mumble, mumble, mumble. Knowing that the TED Talk speechless to say is 10 minutes, what do you think the risks are of just quickly flipping through it and not actually timing it? Well, it's probably a good chance you're going to, there's going to be certain comments that you would make or certain phrases that you would make that when you're there and you've got the nerves going, you're going to stumble, you're going to miss it, you're not going to get the right words. And you're probably not, you may not have the right inflection. Yeah. You may not have the right delivery. And at the same time, it may not, when you, I, I know for myself, I like to do this stuff out loud. When I say the phrase out loud, sometimes I hear it and I'm like, that's not at all yeah. what I want to say. Might be funny to me, but it's probably not going to be to <laughs> majority of the people yeah, in the right. room. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay. That, that actually makes no sense to me. So I think it is important, and again, there is some science behind this, that you have at least a shot with real time. Yes. And if you can't, well, then get as close to that as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Learning uh, learning from, you know, all of the above is important, you know, and you've got a bit of a feedback loop there. You're going to be getting some feedback from yourself because as you just said, I'm, I'm reading this particular presentation out aloud. I have learned that it sounds clunky, I need to make some changes. Or you might have a peer listening in who knows the tasks, knows the timings, or you might have a coach with you. So with a, a music coach might be coaching the viola player saying, actually, you're on song there. It's, that's really good. So the L bit is about that, in, that intuitive learning that you're taking from this particular uh, mental imagery task. So, so you're you're wanting to build some sort of feedback loop in, yeah, yeah. On, on specifically on the rehearsal. Yeah, and you might have a a co a co presenter. Yeah. So you're getting some feedback from the co presenter. Hey, that that yeah, that's really good. Or yeah, geez, Mike, I don't think that's going to survive the litigation. Um, yeah. What do you what what do you do, or what could you do in a situation where you're by yourself? You don't have a partner, a wife, a flatmate, or whatever. Uh, you know, a coworker there. Wh how, what other way could you get some some learning? out of that rehearsal and that practice? You're in, a, you're in as physically similar environment as you possibly can. You understand the, uh, or you're wearing the clothes, you're doing the task, you've gone through the task and you've gone through a real time uh, rehearsal and you realize I'm four minutes under. Sure. Or I actually don't know how to operate the, you know, the, the 
the DIT system that sure. they've got here. You know, so I think that's going to come from your um, your personal feedback on how you're going uh, in that particular rehearsal. Yeah, I, I think um, just kind of just popped into my head as we were going through it. But if I this is what I've done in the past, if if I didn't have anybody around me to give me feedback, I've recorded myself, yeah. I've videoed myself, and then I can. You know, we're, we're obviously cr- quite critical of ourselves most of the time, usually more so than other people. But I find that if you watch that video back, yeah, you, yeah, it's another hour. You record it for an hour. You watch it for an hour. Yeah. But in that hour, you can actually see your posture, your mannerisms, your yeah. hand gestures, where, where you're looking. Um, so I think, I mean, w- would that, if, yeah. if you don't have a coach, would that be a good... Yeah, if it's available and like musicians do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that was my initial re- uh, attempt at that particular concerto. This is my... One now I can see I've improved or I can see I've actually gone back. Yeah, sure. The more time you've got to do that, the better, obviously. But if you can um, listen to, you know, even on your simple thing on your mobile phone, yep. um, you'll find some points that you that actually sound really good. Yep. Keep doing that. Some points that sound actually I could improve that, change that. Yep. Um, emotions. Now, this is one where it's probably going to get a few, you know, business people. Um, what, how, how do I get emotions? Um you know, how, how do you think you're going to feel um, when you're doing this and how, and how are you going to use that to prepare? How do you want to feel? Yeah, if you're giving a presentation and you're practicing like a robot, you know, at the end of this presentation, I will prove that there is a, a, a base on Mars and... and <laughs> And, you know, uh, it's going to be really interesting because some dude says there's a base on Mars. You know, you've got to be able to understand that how do you want the audience to react? How are you then going to portray that through your own emotions? So what I'm saying here is don't deadpan it. Do it at least once in the way that you particularly want the viola concerto to sound, in the way that you want the, how you want to feel, can you savor that moment? Do I want the, the audience to be along with me and actually feeling quite emotional about this Mars base, you know, et cetera. So you know, that, that, this one will require a bit of self-reflection, I think. When you, like when you're doing, when you're coaching sort of your clients and stuff, do you, when you get to this point, are, do you actually have them like over accentuate the emotion or I, I, I guess I'm just trying to think about coming up to a level of where I need to match whatever some, well, it's, uh, for me, it's asking, you know, the athlete or the musician or the, or the, um, you know, the, the business person, how do you want the audience to react? Yes. And then how do you, how do you feel about that? So it's a bit of, it's called imagery. Yes. So in part of that imagery is imagining how you would have feel when you've got the, the audience in the palm of your hand, because you've got the right tone, you've got the right delivery, you've yes. got the right hand gestures, you've, you're not fumbling over, you know, how, how do you feel? And, and I'm sure, and I can remember precisely how I felt when I had as a you know person facilitating adult education, the one lesson that I can remember above all was peak performance. And I remember mm. this one to the day. Mm. And I did all of this. I actually didn't know about Pet Lab, but for this particular presentation, I went through that and I and I can tell you how I feel now. I felt fantastic. Oh, okay. Because I had it was a pretty dry topic. 
It was about an obscure battle in Romania in 1944. <laughs> uh, but I, but I, I, I went through all of this, and yeah, I've given hundreds of hours of adult education, and I can remember this one 40-minute lesson on mm. the Battle of Targal from Mel in Romania, not <laughs> in 1944 or 45. Yep. Because, you know, they were army officers and they appreciated the, the, the way in which I delivered this particular lesson. Mm. And I went out on a limb. I did a few things that were um, not particularly the usual dry style. I'm going to tell you about this. <laughs> and, yeah, and I had a number of people come back and tell me, hey, that was a really excellent presentation. We thought it was going to be a lot of crap. But more importantly, I felt good. But I had put all that emotion into how I prepared for that particular event. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, and the last one's perspective, um, P. Two ways you can look at this, an internal perspective through your own eyes, but also an, in, an external perspective. You can do this yourself by having imagining what it would be looking like in the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting back going, what's, you know, what's this presentation going to look like? Or you can get a coach or a peer to give you some perspective as well. So, yeah, that that one's pretty straightforward. You know, actually, I've done my rehearsal. This is how I, I feel. This is how I want the audience to feel. And this is their perspective. You know, either your own internal view for your own eyes, yes. looking out to the audience, a balcony view, or a view from a third party. Mm. I guess that, 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 that comes back to that video point again, right? You're getting that internal perspective. Um, but you're trying to give it the external lens, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Yeah. So that's pet lab. I know we sort of probably went a bit longer than we thought, but that's it's just a you know I'd like over the next you know, couple of episodes, just every now and then, just to in, in, introduce a you know, a technique, a sure. theory that might help people uh, yeah. prepare for things that otherwise it's you know tough work preparing by yourself. Yeah, I, I think this is so important. And I think um, if if you're going to be and let's take let's take your Whatever, whether you're a consultant or whether you're a manager or an executive, th- this is not something that you could do, right? This is really something that you you should or you must do. If you're if you're facilitating, even if you're in a meeting and you know that there's you know that there's a 15 minute spot that you've got a that you've got to touch in that meeting and you've got to present something, going through and doing these things make you makes you sound so much more polished, so much more in touch with your emotion, with your understanding of the environment and the people that are attending. And you just become a much more engaging speaker and presenter. And if we go back to this idea about leadership, right, we talked about confidence and competence and affability and those kind of things. I think this links directly to that. I mean, it's such a, it's a fundamental thing that I think every manager, consultant must have in their bag of tricks. Yeah, so imagine when the words come out of your mouth, this is the first time you met your team, your crew, and you, the words come out of your mouth, you can't get those back. Yes. If, if, it's a, if it's a string of, you know, a brain dump and just a stream of consciousness, that's the impression you're going to make. Yeah. Or if it's polished, it's on point, and it is slick and takes the right amount of time, What's the difference between those two those two images? I know who I'd rather follow. Mm. One out of curiosity to see where that, that's going to go, or one out of you yeah, actually. This person sounds yeah. like they're a, they've got they've at least got a purpose in life. Yeah, and and I think I think of things just like you know town halls and things where 
you know, weekly standups and things like that, where you're going to have an exec in there and they're going to give you a few minutes. Whether you can get up there impromptu and deliver something, whether you can do that or not, isn't the point. The point is you're always 100% going to sound better when you Mm. practice it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. And then, you know, that's a good point. You know, practice town halls. It sounds a bit crazy, but if you're going to go give a town hall to a fairly, let's face it, at times combative audience, you want to be prepared for it. Okay, so I think that's that's a good point. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Matt. Yo. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Happy 20, Thanksgiving. In the year 2100. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy holidays. We'll see you guys soon.